everyone and welcome to either season four episode two or season two episode 19 of the big at the back podcast we're here fpl is back we both had a pretty good week with template teams matt how are you doing on this fine season four day uh, well, uh, you could add them together and make it season six, episode 21, if you wanted to, because you are just making it up as you go along now. But <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, thanks. It's been a busy few days, obviously, Christmas. Then all the sport happened on every day since. So it's it's been a bit intense. I was just saying to you, I haven't had a drink in a couple of days, so I feel like I'm ready for a nice, I don't know, beer or a glass of wine or something. Uh, just to keep me going, despite the fact it's half past one in the afternoon and I'm technically working. So <laughs> how was your Christmas anyway? Yeah, really good. Um, I haven't stopped drinking, I think, over the past four or five days or so. So today is my first day off since Christmas Eve. No, the 23rd. Oh, did I drink on the 23rd? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> um, but I, I've needed a day off. So today is very much my day off. Um, to be honest, I'm probably going to take a month or so off now, uh, at least as a minimum, just on the basis of I might die otherwise with the way I'm going. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed for you, maybe. But very, very eventful <laughs> Christmas. Um, this is, however, a fantasy football podcast. And fantasy football is back with a bang. I love this time of year because FPL just goes wild. So you had an awesome week this week. Talk to me about... What the thought process was, um, how how is shaping up for you so far? Well, yeah, this is my problem with, I don't know, maybe it's a mentality problem for me. Maybe it's a problem with FPL in general. Um, I've had a very good week, like you say. So I finished off on 105 points and it still feels disappointing and frustrating. <laughs> Everyone, uh, so nine out of my 11 players got a return of some form. Um, the two that didn't being Jao Cancelo, who fell victim to Pep Roulette, and Rhys James. And we spoke about Rhys James last week. I said it was a trap. I said he'd get injured again soon. I wasn't expecting it to be that soon. After about 50 minutes uh, of his return game from injury, limping off, uh, picking up one point. And just to make it even worse, I've got Mitrovic sitting there as my first sub on 15 points. Uh, mm. Either... I didn't. I had Shaw in over James initially, uh, and he would have got me ten points. So that would have been nine extra points. And then if Cancelo hadn't come on, I could have had an extra fifteen points from Mitrovic. But I've got to be grateful for the points I did get. Like I say, one hundred and five. Uh, I can't really complain too much. And you obviously had a very good week as well. Um, just falling short of me. Yeah, just falling short of triple digits as well. So I ended on ninety nine points. Um, like you, I had Reese James, uh, who didn't return as well as Cancelo, but I also had Darwin Nunez, who I thought was very unlucky not to have returned, actually. Um, he essentially made all three of Liverpool's goals, but he very much assisted the assister. Um, Hang on, the first one he was not involved with in any way, shape or form. Oh, no, he wasn't. You're right. <laughs> he was. Um, I mean, it all became a blur. I was very, very drunk. Um, yeah, well, but, as, as you should have been. I thought Darwin Nunez played really, really well in that match. Uh, and it's a shame he didn't get a return. Reese James, oh, what can we say about Reese James? We we all knew going into it, it was a trap. However, there's such a danger that he could pull a 24-pointer out of the bag that it's a risk you just have to take on the chin, I think. Um, I 
I reacted because Mitrovic was meant to be injured, according to uh, Marco Silva. He said Mitrovic is a big doubt for the game. So I panicked and got Mitro out for Martial. Now, Martial did return. He got six points. But if Marco Silva had said Mitro was fit, then I would have kept Mitro and he got 15. So that that's really burns me. And that could have put me on a really, really strong score, an extra nine points, which would have taken me to 108 for the week. So really, really gutted that Marco Silva is such a prat. I don't think it was the wrong choice by me. It's just Marco Silva being a bit of a dick. Uh, but I've rectified that. My transfer for this week has been Martial. Thank you very much for the points. You're out. Mitrovic, you're coming in. I think the thing with Mitrovic in general this season He's basically been injured for most of the season. He's been having painkilling injections pretty much every week to get him through every game. Obviously, he went to the World Cup, played, um, only got three games in the end, didn't they? They, they didn't make it through the group stages, but three games there. Um, so it had a bit of time off to recover. I don't know if it was another case of another injection to get him through the game, but he just keeps returning, doesn't he? Two assists, a goal, and at the price point he's at, he feels like you've got to have him in now, doesn't it? Yeah, especially with the fixtures coming up. I mean, the next game is against Southampton and more on them a little bit later on. But boy, oh boy, is that a fit? if that if that's the side we need to target. And, um, then, and then they double as well. In, then they double, um, yeah. So it's, it's, it feels like a no-brainer. Yeah, completely. And then when the fixtures turn from game week 20, you can probably move Mitrovic out. But until then, I, I think for the next two game weeks, he is a certainty in my team. Um Let's talk through the fixtures then, because every team has played this game week. Um, let's start with... Hmm, actually, let's just go in chronological order. Brentford 2, Spurs 2. Um, I watched this game. I really enjoyed watching this game. I think if it had gone on another 10 minutes, Spurs would have won, because it was all Spurs in the second half. But they took too long to get going. It's a story of Spurs this season. 60 minutes before they actually started playing. Um, they looked lethargic, they looked tired, and Brentford looks really up for it. How Tony hasn't been banned, I don't know, but he got on the score sheets. Really, really like the look of Brentford at home, but Spurs really not convinced by at all. Yeah, it's they have got more points from losing positions than any other team in the Premier League this season, so they are resilient. They can come back uh, if they start slowly, but it's not really a recipe for success if you're, if you're relying on going one or two goals down before you start playing every week. Uh, Ivan Tony obviously, he had a point to prove. He has mm-hmm. until, I think it's the 4th of January, to contest the charges. So he won't be getting a ban any time before then. And if he does contest it, presumably there'll be a period um, where it's under review. And then when all the findings come out, then he'll receive the ban. So You've probably got at least a couple more games if you want to keep him in. Um, obviously, he's in quite good form either side of the World Cup now. So he's he's definitely an option. But I think when you've got so many other options around in that position at the moment, um, you've probably got better ones that you won't have to move out in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kane, Kane back with a goal. Uh, obviously, putting the World Cup disappointment behind him. Uh, hit the bar as well. Uh, so... Yeah, you definitely feel like it's one of those that Spurs will be disappointed to have uh, to have not got the three points. But they are showing that resilience. Yeah, I also think with Spurs, I, I'm still a little bit worried about what Kane can do to me. Because he's the one big player in the team I really haven't gone in on. Um, Spurs, I haven't gone in on at all, actually. Um, but he's the only one, I think, from that Spurs side you could possibly be looking at from an FPL standpoint. 
Kulisewski, I think there's better options at his price points when you consider Arsenal, for example. Um, Sun, you're not going near with a barge pole. Defensively, you don't know who's going to play, and they do look a bit all over the place. So I do think Kane is the only place you can go from the Spurs side from an FPL standpoint. What about Hojbjerg? Picking up points, a goal, three bonus points. I maintain he's still a rubbish footballer. Um, let's talk about the game that I watched with my dad, who's a lifelong Fulham fan, which was Crystal Palace losing 3-0 at home to the mighty Fulham. Now, if we're going to talk about teams imploding, this Crystal Palace side put in one of the most disastrous performances I've seen in a long time. Down to nine men. Tompkins with his first start in a year, getting a red card. Mitchell with a really stupid challenge, getting a red card. Mitro looked absolutely awesome for this game as well. Um, so did you get to watch any of the match? Uh, I've only seen this through highlights. I do think, I feel a bit sorry for Tompkins. I think the second yellow was a bit soft. Um, I think the refs probably... It, from my point of view, he's turned around and he's spinning around a bit. He's not thrown the arm or anything like that. So I think the second yellow is a bit soft there. Uh, Mitchell can't really complain. It, it's one of those that I think if it was given as a yellow card, it might have, mm. uh, it wouldn't have been overturned necessarily by VAR. But I think the fact that it was given as a red, um, it's not going to be overturned either way. So, but yeah, once they were down to nine, they really had no chance, did they? No. Um Tell you who did look really good though was Andreas. Like he didn't get on the score sheet, didn't get any assists, but he was still really, really good for the whole game. And I think quite unlucky not to get a return. I'm going to be starting him most likely in the next game. Um, but I thought he was really, really good, and he's back on set pieces as well, despite the fact that William was starting and playing. Yeah, that's good. To, that's like it's obviously good news. Um, William had come in and looked like he was, well, not necessarily taken over from for the set pieces full time, but he was at least taking some. But if Pereira's on those, then it's definitely a good sign because Fulham do have danger from set pieces. Obviously, Mitrovic himself, uh, he got an assist from that uh, set piece, which. Vard decided not to overturn when it came off his arm after he headed it down onto his arm, um, but. Tim Reid with an absolute worldy finish from that as well. <laughs> he smashed that into the roof of the net. So good. So good. Guaita um, with seven saves in this match as well, which is yeah, a, a fair amount. I mean, Mitro can probably feel unlucky for only getting on the score sheet once, but two lovely assists as well. I'll tell you what, I mean, it sounds like I'm singing him his praises a lot, but he deserves it. Everyone thinks of Mitrovic as a big, burly striker, but he doesn't half chase the ball down and he doesn't half put himself about. He's really all over the pitch. So I think he's an absolute essential for me over the next two game weeks. Um, yeah, definitely. Like you say, the fixtures turn a little bit for a couple of weeks after that, but then they have Forest after that. So it's like, do you just hold on to him for those couple of games? Just, I mean, you've got Spurs in there who exactly aren't exactly the best defensively. Um, Newcastle will be a tricky one, obviously. But then when you come around to, to Forest again, you're probably going to want him back in for that. So I'd say it's probably worth holding through that period. Yeah, I definitely get the appeal. Um, next game was Everton 1, Wolves 2. And this is the only game so far this season where the losing team have picked up all of the bonus points in the match. Cracking stat, that. Little, little FPL stat for you there. But... Uh, 
Jerry Mina with 25, Tarkowski with 21, and Gwadi with 19. What does that tell us? It tells us um, that actually Everton were probably on top for most of this game. They just couldn't get the job done. They were so, so poor. I only watched highlights, but they it just looked like such a terrible football match from both sides. Both sides in trouble, but now Wolves have got the win. They might have a bit more momentum. Is it finally the year we see Everton go down? Lampard's got to be worried, hasn't he? Uh, he's got to be looking over his shoulder now. I think this game had a Wolves win written all over it with Everton probably dominating and them somehow managing to throw it away. Obviously, having taken the lead, they're going to be so disappointed to have lost this game. Um, yeah, like you say, those bonus points tell you that it was probably not a game of great uh, attacking flair when you've got your likes of Mina... Tarkovsky, Gay. Then if you look on the Wolves side as well, uh, Martino, yes, he's he's more of an attacking player, but he, he, I'd say he's more of a whole... He, he's not exactly a number 10, is he, for Wolves? No. And Saar and Aitnori. Um, and Aitnori pick, picking up the, the late, late winner. Uh, I think Lampard is struggling here, especially when you look at their games coming up. Uh, he's got to pick up some points here. Well, what are the next few fixtures for Everton? So we're having a look. Oh, nice, easy one next. Away to Man City. Um, after that, they've got the double. But even that's Leicester away and Chelsea at home. And then it's... That's Fulham. Oh, no, no, that's Fulham. No, <laughs> they're next to each other on the after you um, So they've got Man City away. Then they've got Brighton at home. Tough game. Then Southampton at home. You'd expect Everton will get points there. Um, but then it's West Ham, Arsenal, Liverpool. So... Not the worst fixtures, but certainly not looking great. Yeah, you've got to imagine they need to get points. I mean, Brighton is obviously going to be a very tricky one, but you, they'll probably need to get something out of that. Um, West Ham, uh, Southampton next, sorry, that's that's almost must win. Yeah, And then same, you can, same can be said for the West Ham game at this rate as well. Yeah, completely. Quite a lot of clubs down there. Wolves are actually still in the relegation zone despite that win. Their fixtures coming up. They've got Man U next, but then they've got Villa, West Ham. So some really interesting um, bottom of the table or bottom of the pack games coming up over the next few weeks or so. Um, that was honestly one of the most boring games to talk about. But a game we quite liked because we're both heavily invested in Newcastle was Newcastle having an away win against Leicester of 3-0. And I think you watched this game. So why don't you start with your thoughts on it? I mean, Newcastle came flying out of the blocks, 2-0 up in, what was it, the first 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. with uh, the penalty early on, just very poor defending. Um, and then they absolutely cut them apart for Almiron's goal. And Almiron, great to see he's picked up where he left off uh, before the World Cup. So they just, a lovely little one-two, cut him off the right-hand side, one-two with Bruno Guimaraes, and then just slotted it home um, very calmly. So... And then the third one was just terrible defending from a set piece. Uh, Joe Linton just absolutely bullying his man and heading in from about seven or eight yards. So, I mean, Rogers will be very disappointed with Leicester's performance because they had picked up a little bit before before the break. I know they were out without Madison in this game. He's come back with a bit of a knock from the World Cup. So, uh, hopefully, from their standpoint, they can get him back as soon as possible because I feel like they really, really need him. But, yeah, Newcastle just going from strength to strength. And they were, and before the Man City game last night, they were up to second in the league. 
<laughs> which is quite extraordinary. And they're looking really good. Um, Ormeron and Trippier both turning out. If you haven't got both in your team, what are you doing? Um, Trippier and Ormeron are both must-haves for this season at the moment. And Trippier picking up three bonus points was really back to, back to what we're used to. And back to duty resumed. If we're looking at the Newcastle fixtures, I'm quite curious because they're not the best, but they're certainly not the worst. They've got Leeds at home next, which you'd say is a relatively straightforward fixture. Then they've got Arsenal away, which is tricky, and Fulham at home, which, uh, again, is not the worst, but it's certainly a bit tricky. Then it's Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth afterwards. So I think Newcastle were a definite hold over the next uh, four or five weeks or so, for me at least. Yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to that Arsenal game. I think that'll be a very interesting yeah. game. A real test for both. Um, bear in mind, obviously, they'll both be in, presumably in the top three still by then. So that's next Tuesday night, that is, and that's on Sky. So that'll be an interesting watch. Yeah, um, yeah the fixtures are very much a hold because even like with the Arsenal game, you could still see them getting something from it. Um, the question is, do you do you risk tripling up on, on Newcastle? Because I think we were before the break um, with... Trippier and Pope, we've both ditched Pope and uh, obviously picked up the clean sheet here but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, where people go with their Newcastle assets because they're definitely just going from strength to strength. No Callum Wilson was interesting. I think a lot of people picked him as an alternative to uh, Mitrovic when his in, uh, quotation injury news came out um, but no, Wilson was a bit of a sting for a lot of FPL managers. So interested where people are looking at going. Um why don't we jump straight to Arsenal then? Because they beat West Ham 3-1 and a game that you were very, very happy watching. Uh, now, Saka and Martinelli both look terrific. We did wonder how they'd look without Gabriel Jesus, but I think this was a really important win for them in the context of the season and how it's going so far. And they look like they're, people are going to struggle to stop them at the moment. Yeah, very much so. They they showed their mettle here as well, coming from a goal down at half time. Um, I'll tell you who what like the player of the match for me though, and he picked up the bonus points was Erdegaard. He was fantastic in this game, pulling the strings, picking West Ham's defence apart. Um, yeah, he he was brilliant. Um, two assists. I said I said at the start of the season I had him in. Um, I haven't got him in. I've got Martinelli at the moment, but I think. I think there's an argument to be made that you could be looking to move to Erdegaard at the moment because he just seems to be in fantastic form. Is there an argument for doubling up? Yeah, definitely. I don't see why not. I mean, if you look at the three Arsenal midfielders you could look at, Martinelli, Saka and Odegaard, all three are good buys for their price point. But I think they all offer similar kind of returns. So I don't see why you wouldn't go for Odegaard as he's technically the cheapest of the three. I've got Martinelli because I got him at six million at the beginning of the season and I've just held him. And I think you've done the same. But if you're looking at buying one now, Odegaard's the man to go to, I'd say. Yeah, I reckon so. Uh, there was a little bit right near the end of the game when he was doubled up on, on the touchline. Uh, did a little Cruyff turn through the legs of, I think it might have been Soufal. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, he was he was just taking the piss by the end of the game. Um, so, so they they were the, they were breached at the back though. I think uh, I think people have sort of moved away from the defensively a little bit now, but um, because they have got a very good defensive record this season. I know it was a penalty. Uh, it was a bit of a silly tackle from uh, Gabriel, but overall they they looked pretty assured of themselves. Um, you can argue 
Uh, they got, a, well, not lucky with their second goal, but Fabianski was beaten at his near post. They'll be very disappointed with that. Uh, I know a lot of West Ham fans are calling for Ariola to to get the starting berth in the league now. So um, we'll see what happens there. I'm not 100% sure that that will happen. Yeah. Just on West Ham, you've made a move to back West Ham for this week's transfer. So why don't you talk us through that? Well, it's um, it's not that I'm backing West Ham. Uh, let me let me get that straight. Like, <laughs> As a West Ham fan, you are not backing. We're absolutely not. No, definitely not. Um, but I've made my change this week, and I've taken Reese James out, obviously with the injury, and I've brought Cresswell in. Um, it's very much a fixtures move, um, and it's someone that I don't feel guilty about benching because I don't feel like he's strong enough uh, to get into my starting eleven. But he's someone that will be playing. So if I need someone to come off my bench because of rotation elsewhere he can come in and I know he'll be playing um fixtures are good as well Brentford at home next Brentford's away record is much worse than their home record they've only won one game away from home this season um so that's part of my thinking and then we've got a couple of big games against teams around us so yeah that's my thinking there he won't be in my starting 11 but he's a good option who's there to to get at least two points a week yeah, the next four games, Brentford, Leeds, Wolves and Everton, all very winnable games. And this could be the four games that define West Ham's season, really. Yeah, I think um, I think if Moyes doesn't get two wins and a draw out of these four, I think he'll be gone. Yeah, I agree with where you are at the moment. Um, let's jump back then, uh, because I've mentioned Southampton a few times. I think Bryson beating them 3-1 never really got out of second gear here. Um, and Southampton are essentially going to be whipping boys for the next few weeks at least. New manager, Ward-Prowse played okay, but it's James Ward-Prowse. He's only ever going to be a big fish in a small pond. He's unbelievably overrated by a lot of people we know. Um, but I just don't think Southampton have anything exciting about them at the moment as a club. No, I think they were very soft in the middle here. They were picked mm-hmm. apart and picked open quite easily. Uh, Bazunu in goal will be should be very disappointed with uh, letting in Lalana's header, which was pretty much straight at him. Um, you cannot be letting goals like that in. I'd like be disappointed if I let that in in a Sunday league game, uh, let alone when I'm playing in the Premier League, um, having just come from a club like Man City. So, um, and Southampton only really got their breakthrough with a penalty. I know it was saved and Ward-Prowse tapped in the rebound. But other than that, like Ward-Prowse was their only re- like providing any sort of threat um, he had a free kick that just went past the post and then obviously the penalty. So they are in struggle city at the moment. Um, the new manager really needs to turn things around pretty quickly. Yeah, completely agree. And oh, I do think they're in real... They're, they're going to go, go down at some point over the next few years. It's just a question of when, not if. Same for Everton, really. Um, two clubs in very, very dire straits. Brighton, uh, the only people, the only, well, Brighton player that people are really going to be invested in is Trossard, who did nothing in this match. So I think, considering the options, Trossard is just an absolute no-go at the moment. Same for Pascal Gross. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on Brighton options and FPL. Yeah, I mean, they're a good side, but I don't feel like they've really got any standouts. I feel like they spread the points around quite a lot. They've also got so... the top yeah, I think you're probably leaving them alone at the moment, aren't you? Like you say, um, what I will say is Sully March's goal was an absolute beauty. Uh, a bit of a rocket there, but that's his one goal for the season. Yeah, completely. So if you miss that, you've missed the boat, I'm afraid. 
<laughs> Very much so. Um, last Saturday game to speak about uh, is one I watched live, which was Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 3. Um, so I'll start by speaking about it as a Liverpool fan. Really exciting end-to-end game. I thought Liverpool deserved the win and were the better side. Aston Villa was still very good. Mo Salah was exceptional. He looks like he's really back. Andy Robertson looks like he's back to his best. He was magnificent and probably is the best fullback the Premier League has ever seen. Like he's as good defensively as anyone we've ever seen, and he's now got more assists than any other fullback in the Premier League era. So I, I don't think that's a stretch to say he's the best we've seen in that position in the league. Um, and I thought we still looked soft at centre-back. Uh, Joel Matip is very much a weak link in that side. I cannot wait till Canate is back because I really rate him. I think he's excellent. But I think we are very soft at centre-back and soft in that centre-mid area as well. Trent had an excellent game creatively and defensively. I'm lucky not to be in the points this week. Darwin Nunez, <laughs> it was just one of those days where it wasn't going in for him. And as much as people are talking about him being a flop, he's still got a goal or assist every like 80 minutes or something he's been playing. Jadon Sancho, comparatively, is every 311 or something like that. So I think if you've got Darwin Nunez, don't be worried. You can hold. If you've got Salah, hold. You are not selling him this week. Um, if you've got Robertson, be happy. If you've got Trent, be happy. That's my perspective on Liverpool. Villa looks very good as well. Ollie Watkins probably should have had quite a few, but he was getting chances. I think he's an option as well. Yeah, I think, it, like you say, it was a very open and end-to-end game. It was a great game to watch for the neutral. Uh, I saw as much of it as I could uh, while I was sat at the in-laws table with it on the TV over in the corner, trying not to just blatantly sit there watching it for the full 90 minutes. Um, but I did get to see quite a bit of it. It did seem at points as though Leon Bailey was determined to keep um, Liverpool from conceding at any point uh, because it did look for quite a while that they could just see out the game and, and not concede. So, yeah, I think, like you say, Robertson uh, was very, very good. Uh, Salah was very good. Nunez was unlucky. Um, a lot of people calling for him to have gotten the assist for the third goal, but uh, FPL rulings are if it was an intentional cross to that target, then it would have counted as an assist. If it's a shot that is saved and bounced back, it would have counted as an assist. But this was an intended cross for Salah that was cut out, so it doesn't count as an assist. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, frustrating, I guess, but that's rules is rules. Ridiculous. <sighs> From an FPL standpoint, though, I don't think you're touching the Liverpool assets. I still think they're looking good. And the potential double in 21, I think. Is it? Is yeah, it... I believe so. I'm not sure, actually. Uh, I'm looking Where's at Liverpool. 20? No, there's definitely not 20. It might be 21. Um, but City are in 20. I know that for a certain. Yeah. I think the um, the other thing in this game as well, like, Robert, like I still feel like Liverpool are going to struggle to keep clean sheets. Like you say, until you get a better centre-back pairing in there at the moment, Alisson made five saves. There were other chances. Uh, there were some There were some real guilt-edge chance, guilt chances in there as well. Like Watkins uh, had a stooping header from about five yards out that went pretty much straight down Alisson's throat. Uh, so your full-backs, you're relying on them for their attacking returns, really. Yeah, completely. And um, Robertson was in the box for half of that game. I think he... Looks like he was as safe a bet as anyone could have at the moment. Aston Villa, 
Anything you would say that I think Watkins is a potential option when we move Mitrovic out, when the fixtures get a bit better for them, because, well, from game week 19 and 20, actually, their fixtures are looking quite good. But then 23, 24, you've got City and Arsenal back to back. So I guess after those two, from 25 onwards, I'm not ruling out owning Ollie Watkins at some point. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially, it could be like a, a swap if you wanted to. Um, for Mitrovic in that sort of era uh, where they've got sort of contrasting fixtures. Um, so maybe after the double, if you wanted to move Mitrovic out for Watkins uh, and mm-hmm. then bring him back in um, when the fixtures switch again, uh, because they, they created a lot. Um, they were making things happen. I think um, Emery's come in and, and sort of turned them around a bit. They look to be a lot more free flowing going forward. And a little bit um, harder to break down at the back. Obviously, a team like Liverpool, you, they're going to be getting plenty of chances. But potentially a better team, uh, a, like better fixtures, They, I think they could be a, a bit more of a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, Sunday's game, or Sunday's games, I'm used to it being the weekends. Uh, Tuesday games. I said this earlier as well. <laughs> Your brain's fried. Uh, so you had two games, both of which were quite comfortable victories. Chelsea beating Bournemouth 2-0 at home. You looked at this fixture and it looked like a 2-0 fixture. Um, Havertz in the score sheet, no one's getting him. And Havertz with uh, the good performance, still no one's getting him. Mount with the goal, bugger off. No one's getting Mason Mount. Sterling with an assist. Sorry, Sterling, the jury's still made its decision. You're still rubbish. Um, I still like Chelsea defensively. I'm happy with Kepa. and I was happy with Reese James, but now it may move to Cucurella May next week. This week, I'm just going to take the price drops, whatever they may be for Reese James. Um, but yeah, I think I may move it to Cucurella next week. Yeah, I think you've got Cucurella. As for the quest as an option as well, while um, James is out injured, because uh, yeah. you'd imagine that that's a straight swap there. Um, but I think, yeah, like you say, Kepa coming in with the clean sheet, saves two bonus points. Uh, he could be an absolute FPL bargain. Yeah, I totally agree. And Chelsea do look good defensively. Looking at getting another centre-back in January as well, I was reading. Um, so I'd be interested to see whether that comes through or not. Um, not really anything to say about Bournemouth. So let's move on to Man U versus Nottingham Forest, which ended up being quite an easy 3-0 for Manchester United. Rashford and Martial looked great in this game, though. Yeah, they really worked well off each other. Um, this is the first time we've really seen, I think, Ten Hag's preferred front four. Um, yeah. Anthony, Bruno, Rashford and Martial as that front four. And they've got... All four of them have got the ability to interchange and move around. And that is sort of a worrying thing for defenders because they don't know who they're picking up at any point because they, they haven't got one consistent man that they're marking throughout the game. Uh, and obviously, it was just far too much for Nottingham Forest. Yeah. I don't think, though, that you're going for a Bruno Fernandes. I don't think that you're going for Anthony. Um, they will probably both get returns, but I, I think if you're going for any of them, you're going for Marcus Rashford. Um, he's the one that really looked like he's got a bit more oomph about him, and it looks like he's still in form from the World Cup. So he's the one you're looking at if you're going to invest in Manchester United. I would suggest. Otherwise, Luke Shaw, as you had you had him before, could be a good option 
popping up with 10 points this week, two bonus points. I wouldn't hate moving Reese James to Luke Shaw, for instance. No, I completely agree. I wish wish I didn't back out of having him in the first place. Um, he was even shifted into centre-back as a makeshift centre-half in this game. So that's when you discount his potential attacking returns because he's not getting forward playing there. If you add, put him in a full-back and he's getting forward, you've got more of a chance of him picking up things there as well. So mm. I think there are definitely worse shouts. I don't know how, how long Bello is going to be out for, um, yeah, so, but people might be looking at him as well because I would imagine he'll start right back over Wan-Bissaka when he's fit. Yeah, and Diego Dallo just mops up bonus points as well. So when he's back, we're looking at him. Yeah, their next two fixtures are good. Then they've got two tricky fixtures and then they're good again. So, you, yeah, you're definitely holding on to them for the this period, I would imagine. Yeah, I, well, I'm definitely holding on to Rashford. I've already got rid of Martial. But, yeah, Rashford for the next two, at least, is definitely going to stay in my team. Um, Wednesday's fixture, Leeds won Manchester City 3. Greenish sucks in this game. I know he got two assists. But there's a reason he didn't get any bonus points. He was terrible. And I don't think FPL owners have anything to worry about from whether Pep is going to start Grealish again because he definitely shouldn't after this game. I think you're being harsh, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think it was terrible. I don't think it was fantastic, but I don't think it was terrible either. Um, so many guilt edge chances. And I, I just think it was one of those games where he just didn't look like he was doing anything at all. Also, classic Pep Roulette in this game. Cancelo and Foden bench. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, I feel like uh, we said about this last week, and I said that the two most nailed players are Cancelo and Haaland, and then, of course, he goes and drops one of them the next game. So, cheers, Pep. Uh, but, I mean, there's only one story with FPL and City, isn't it? And it's it's that man, Erling Haaland, Already on 20 Premier League goals for the season in 14 games. The man just will not stop scoring. And he could have had about five last night. Yeah, these were just sliced open over and over again. And City's fixtures remain quite nice and quite easy. Haaland now has more goals than Chelsea. Um, Thierry Henry took 34 games to get to 20 goals. Haaland's done it in 14 absolute monster and he's definitely going to break the goal scoring record that was set when there were 42 fixtures in the Premier League season so unless he gets injured Haaland's just going to absolutely romp that um, City's next game is Everton at home as well they must be absolutely licking their lips for that I bet Haaland absolutely can't wait for it yeah I think that is oh. and the thing is generally so far this season he, City's home form has been much better than their away form and Haaland scored most of his goals at home mm. um, so for him to be picking up two goals he said in his post-match interview as well last night he was almost a bit pissed off about not being at the World Cup mm. um, so he, he's he got a vengeance, he's going to be hunting teams down you could easily see him begging potentially another hat-trick in the next game but uh, Pep keeps talking about like, oh we'll see how he is fitness-wise, we're managing his minutes but at the moment they're not catching Arsenal. They need every single point they can get, so they have to play him as much as humanly possible. Yeah, 100%. Um, a word on KDB, because a lot of people went KDB over Salah. I mean, it wasn't a bad move, but this is always a risk of having KDB. Salah, you know you'll get a return of some kind almost every week. KDB has got two points in him, and he will. he is likely to get quite a few of them because City do spread the goals around except for Ellen Haaland. So... 
it, it was a risk. It didn't work this week, but KDB could come in with double figures against Everton. So you hold him. Yeah, definitely. I think, and the other thing with him, he had a good game. Um, he was bossing that midfield. It was so obvious to me that when I was watching that the KDB that plays for Man City and the KDB that plays for Belgium are two completely mm-hmm. different people. They are not actually the same person. I'm convinced of it. Uh, it's like twin. his brother or something. Yeah, completely. His evil twin plays for Belgium, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. I mean, KDB for Belgium in the World Cup was interesting because he was making all these passes and players just weren't moving right or getting to them. And you could just see KDB getting really pissed off at it because he's used to playing with all these awesome players at Man City, like Bernardo, Grealish, Haaland, Foden. And then he gets to Belgium. He has to play with Lukaku, with Merton. Bashway. Ashwai, like absolute nightmare. So KDB, I think, is a definite hold. They've got two doubles in the diary in 20 and 23. I'll actually probably be moving Salah to KDB for those doubles. So I think you absolutely hold on at that point. Next yeah, round. I think the other thing, the other thing to talk about with them as well is you you're worried and with KDB as well I don't think he's immune to to Pep Roulette so that is the only slight worry with those yeah there's four fixtures there but he, you could easily see a world where he maybe only plays two or three of them but you'd still be fancying him to get points in that time frame yeah I don't think you're using a triple captain chip until late in the season where you know a player's going to play two of the two games in the double um yeah. same with really um but still quite nice very exciting moving forward then. We're both coming off a good week. Next round of fixtures starts tomorrow uh, for Game Week 18. And then Game Week 19 starts just two days later on the 2nd of January. Or three days later, sorry. So it really is coming thick and fast. We'll try and do a podcast, but there's no promises. Um, we will keep everyone updated on Twitter. You can find us at Big at the Back. Yeah, and before we move on, I feel like you got ahead of yourself. What's your, what's your lineup for this week? Tell me. I mean, this week I've gone fairly straightforward. So let me open up my team here. Kepa in goal, obviously. At the back, I've got Cancelo, Trippier and James. And the reason is, James is very unlikely to play. However, if he does play, I want him in my team. So I'm going to be starting him, assuming he's going to get auto-subbed. Um, then my midfield four is Umaron, Martinelli, Salah, and Rashford. Uh, up top, I've got Mitrovic, Haaland with the captaincy, and Darwin. First sub is Andreas. Second sub is Walker. Third sub is White at the moment. So, yeah, we, we're fairly similar. Um, Kepper in goal for me as well. A back three of Robertson, Trippier, and Cancelo. The same midfield four as you, Martinelli, Rashford, Salah, Almiron. Uh, my front three is Mitrovic, Haaland and Martial. Uh, bench of Ward, Pereira first sub, Cresswell second sub and my suspended mate Tyreek Mitchell third sub. <laughs> but you're glad you didn't start him for this game. I, I you, you say why do you listen to me about Reese James? You also didn't listen to me about Tyreek Mitchell. So... Yeah, but he was never he was never in danger of starting, so it doesn't matter to me. Um, he was always just going to be bench fodder for this week. He was someone that can come in with points if needed, like the worst case scenario. Because um, obviously, before the red card, 
uh, he's someone that's going to be playing week in, week out, and their fixtures were pretty good. So, yeah. In our head-to-head league as well, I just looked, and it's getting closer. So I'm on 31 points, you're on 19 points. So all you need is a run of three or four games, and you'll be catching up and be moving ahead of me. It's getting very yeah, tight. We're, yeah, we're very close. And where we've got very similar teams is these fine margins now, um, these little bits here and there, uh, like obviously you having Darwin uh, last mm. week just sort of knocked you out of winning it, really. Um, so, yeah, it is very tense. It's very close. Uh, hopefully, I can put a bit of a run together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, we are going to be with you uh, probably in the gap in between fixtures because Matt and I don't really have anything else to do. Um, but otherwise, come speak to us on Twitter. Come join in the conversation. We have no lives and we're obsessed with this stuff. Um, Matt can be found at the Pretty Bot. Pretty Bubbles, Pretty Bubbles podcast as well for more West Ham related gibberish. Yeah, we um not enjoying life as West Ham fans at the moment. A big few weeks coming up for us. So yeah, we'll be covering all that in more depth. Um you can find me on Twitter individually as well at Higgins92. Tom is at Tom Madden92. Uh, and yeah, as he says, there's a lot of football coming up, so we'll be covering all of it as much as we physically can. 